Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. facts. I always like to begin with some kind of fun fact. I have no props for you today. There is no mountain. There will be no micro doves given away today. Um, but Jesus actually wasn't born in uh, December. Did you know that? Most historians believe that Jesus was born in June. So he was a summer baby. And um, the reason we started celebrating, the reason the church started celebrating Advent during Christmas, uh, during, during Christmas, during this month of December was because in the world uh, that Christianity was birthed, December was a month of real darkness. It was um, a, a pagan holiday where they celebrated all things dark and evil. And, and, and so Christians decided, hey, I, th I, I think this should be a celebration of light. And so they brought um, Christmas to the winter solstice. Now, Okay, so now I want you to just take your brain right now for a second and think back. To, how do you think that went over when somebody got up and said, okay, so what we're going to be doing is celebrating Jesus during a pagan holiday. Now, I know not any of you would have done this, but there would have been some people that would have been like, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think we should be mixing darkness. with light. I think we should have it in June because there's nothing evil. So... Just a good reminder, because none of you got up this morning and went, it's the beginning of Advent, it's the winter, so it's a pagan holiday. None of you got up, none of you are writing me letters about the light. But it's a reminder, I was reminded this year that God is able, and Christians are able, to use the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them to redeem anything. Winter solstice, darkness, we don't have to be afraid of anything. And that's a good reminder to us, I think, in a society and in a world where Christians are getting, like, real worried. Like, oh, everything's going away. Nah! Jesus lives inside of us. We don't have to be worried about anything. It's so awesome that we get to celebrate Christmas uh, like this. And, and, and the thing is, Christmas is not just a season for Christians. Uh, Christmas, we, we actually believe in celebrating Advent. All throughout the scripture, you see that God was not just a God of a day, but seasons. And that's for a reason, because you know that if you um, celebrate a day like, say, your birthday, if you're like me, since the time I turned 19, this is a, a confession right here, sometimes, now by sometimes I mean like three quarters of the time, <coughs> my birthday is a disappointment, and I cry, and it is terrible for Dave and everyone around me. Um, I'm sorry, Amira, that you've had to grow up with it. I know so, you're judging me right now. Like, this person is very immature. Okay, but so here's the thing. God knew that a, a day wouldn't be enough. That actually, as humans, to actually have something change us, we need seasons. And it's why we've created this Advent calendar for you. We, we want you to grab that little booklet on your way out and use it as a way to celebrate Advent. We think it will be helpful to you. Um, because none of us are usually changed in a day, we're changed in seasons. 
And that's just the way humans work, and God knew that about us. And so we're going to celebrate the whole season of Advent. Um, in our last series, we talked about stress. And last week particularly, we talked about how uh, the Holy Spirit wants to come and help us not live in stress, but uh, to live with his peace. And um, if you'll remember these micro doves that I gave it is a small miracle that I have this dove. You wouldn't be able to see it because it's so small. So small. If you didn't get one, um, you can come see me after the service and we'll find you these doves. But we talked about last week how worship actually is the key to releasing stress in our lives. And so we thought that it would be appropriate over this Advent, series, uh, over this Advent season that we talk about uh, what does it mean to worship over Christmas months, and we want to look at some of the songs and worship of some of the characters in the Christmas season, and um, I, I'm praying that this season would be our most impactful. I pray this every year. I pray every year, starting in like October, the staff know that I get very stressed about preaching Advent because I'm basically trying to preach the same story every year and hoping that you all go, wow, I never knew that before, so... Uh, but, I, but I am praying for myself every year that God would awaken me again to the wonder of the fact that he came. God came as a baby for us. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 39. I, I want to talk about Mary this morning because I think Mary um, is a person who both dealt with major stress but also learned how to worship through that stress. Start at verse 39. It says, In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country. This is just after she finds out she's pregnant. When she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is he who, should, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his, with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Okay, so this is Mary's song, and we don't often, we usually read the first couple verses of that and go, oh, that was a good song, and then we just carry on from this song. But the fact is that Mary, in her state of pregnancy, this is the song that she sang to the Lord. And I want to make a few just observations about this text. The, the first uh, observation is this, is that my, Mary's worship wasn't just a song, it was a lifestyle. So, so we know this because in Luke chapter 1, prior to this, God says, hey, listen, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and everyone's definitely going to think you're lying. He didn't say that, but this is implied. Um, and, and Mary says, be it unto me. Yes, God. Yes. Um, Mary says yes to God despite her questions, her doubts, and her fears. And, she's, um, she, and when she says yes to God, she's engaged 
in worship. Whenever we say yes to God, whenever we say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you. God, I'm going to do this. It becomes worship. It's interesting, though, that Mary's yes to God becomes then a catalyst for this public worship, for this public song. I sometimes think we think it's the other way, though. Like if I get into church and they sing the song that I really, really like, then I will worship God and it will help me. And, and then what happens is they don't sing the song that you really, really like. They sing the song that you hate, the song that you wish would go out of rotation. And, um, and then we think, mm, fine. It, it, it's interesting that Mary's yes actually created worship. I want to suggest maybe this morning that some of us in different areas of our lives where we haven't actually given God a yes, we need to say yes to him. Uh, Mary's worship, the second observation I want to make is that Mary's worship came at a great personal cost. I would suggest this morning that whenever our worship doesn't cost us anything, that it's not really worship. God isn't looking for people that will just sing songs and have nice uh, melodies. He's actually looking for people that will say yes to him, no matter what the cost. So historically, we know that for Mary to be a young woman, unmarried and pregnant, would have um, not only ostracized her, but would put her in danger of being stoned. And yet she said yes. I think I was struck by this a little bit this week, thinking, would I say yes to God if I knew that it was going to cost me everything? I mean, it's easy for us in North America, right? Because... Like, it doesn't take my, I mean, we say yes to God when we come to church in the morning, but the only thing we're saying no to is our bed, which, I mean, for some of us, that is legitimate. You're exhausted, I understand. But, but saying yes to God in this context, for most of us, most of the time, doesn't require great sacrifice. And what, what do we do when we're in situation? I mean, because it's not like you're, so what I think you should do is go outside and make a stick a house and try to like real I'm not, I'm not saying that we should like make our lives harder than they are but I think we have to ask ourselves what are the small things that I'm resisting I'm resisting doing for the Lord cuz it's going to cost me something cuz it's going to cost me comfort or it's going to cost me money or it's going to cost me time or it's going to cost me my own comfort. Mary's worship came at a great personal cost. Reverend Carolyn Sharp said it this way, don't envision Mary as the radiant woman peacefully composing the Magnificat. Instead, see her as the girl who sings defiantly to her God through her tears and her fists clenched against an unknown future. I love that quote. Because I think, I, I, Dave and I toured um, the Vatican this year, and we were seeing all these beautiful paintings that people painted, and um, generally Mary looks like, I look at her and think, oh, she's so unlike me. She seems so, ah, and she's always wearing these, like, beautiful robes, and they're usually purple or blue, which, by the way, is historically totally inaccurate. Mary was poor. We know this because she brings a dove offering on the eighth day of Jesus' circumcision. We know that they were poor because in Leviticus it tells us that when people bring a dove offering, that was only the poor, the very poor that did that. Mary would have looked not probably radiant. And maybe you're here right now and you feel like you're in, 
you can maybe identify with this, like you're having to worship through clenched fists with a little bit of fear and trepidation. I want you to know that you're in good company today, that the woman that Jesus chose to birth Jesus also would have had moments like this. And some of us think, well, when is it going to get better? I'm tired of this. I feel like I've been clenching my fists for... And God never promises us. He doesn't promise us an easy road. That's not scriptural. If it was, if it was scriptural, here's what would happen. Mary, Jesus would have come to Mary, who was married. Like, like, do you ever think about this? God chose a single girl to have his kid. This was not an accident. This was his plan. Like, if, if I'm thinking of the plan, I would have thought, you know what, I would have done a lot better. Like, if he had chose some of you who have three or four kids here, he'd come to you and say, hey, listen, we're just going to add to your brood, okay? And nobody's going to be upset about it. I'm just going to come over you, and you're going to have a baby. It's, it would have been a lot easier, yes? Like, talk about, like, if someone is talking to God, like, come on, God, like, there's a stigma associated with that. So if your life was supposed to be easy, so should have Mary's, and it wasn't. It's hard. Some of you think, oh, I don't even know if I can do this Christianity thing anymore because it's hard. Yeah, it is hard, but it's worth it. So Mary's worship came at a great personal cost. And, and I want to say this as well. Mary's worship wasn't merely private. This is really important in, a, in, uh, in our particular context. Mary's song flies in the face of a world that often tells us to keep our convictions to ourselves and not to impose any of our beliefs in the public square. Particular, particularly in Canada where hyper-individualism runs rampant, Mary's song is totally foreign to us. Because Mary doesn't, like, do you notice that Mary's song, like, I think this is why we only like the first couple verses. If you look up on YouTube, Mary's Magnificat, there's, like, beautiful choirs that sing the first three verses, like, over and over and over again. They don't sing all the rest of it, because the rest of it is weird to us. Because she's talking about, like, trampling, like, let's just read, she's talking about trampling the powerful. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away. That's a nice title for a song, isn't it? Send the rich away. <laughs> this is like a very weird song. Like, can you imagine, Amy? Next week, you're going to, like, bust in a wrist. You're going to bust out. Send the rich away. It's our new track called church clearing track <laughs> but you know why we're uncomfortable with it because it's because it's bigger than mary it's not like like if mary were to write a worship tune how worship and i'm not dissing worship tunes but if, it would be about this i'm so scared i love you lord come and fill me like that's i it wouldn't sound like that she probably could sing better than i can but um uh, it, it, but Mary's worship actually has to do with the public sphere, which I think has a lot to do with how we think about our Christianity. So those of you that work in the public sphere, can, can I just tell you that that's worship? When you work as an engineer, that you're impacting the public square, that's worship. When you work as a lawyer and you're, in, you're writing policy, that's, that's worship. It's impacting. You see... When we begin to only see our Christianity as a little sphere that happens for 1.5 hours on a Sunday morning, we actually limit what God can do in us and through us. 
And this story, this song of Mary's reminds us that God is not limited to my little sphere. He pushes on all of it. Conversely, it doesn't let me limit him to my little sphere either, right? Because there are times we want to just compartmentalize our faith and just say, okay, like, well, it's just here. Because I wouldn't want to offend anybody and I wouldn't want to step on anybody's toes. Mary's song reminds us of that. So a few observations. Just so that you know, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. Um, he said this about the Magnificat, that it's the most passionate, the wildest, one of the most, you might even say, the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but in many countries in the world, particularly at different times in history, in India and Guatemala and Argentina, uh, this song that Mary wrote was banned from, public, from the public square. It was banned because it was so revolutionary. Like, because Mary's words actually mattered to the public sphere. When was the last time we had a worship song that, that like, Justin Trudeau was like, I don't think, no, we're not singing that song anymore. Banned. And yet we read this and go, yeah, 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 Mary sang a song, whatever. I wonder if it was a fast song or a slow song. This is what our worship, this is what our worship does. It's, it's not just a warm-up. It actually pushes on society. It should push on societal norms. You could look that up this week if you want about the Magnificat being banned. It's, uh, it was actually, and it wasn't just banned from the public square. In many of these countries, it was banned from liturgy, so they couldn't read it at a Christmas service. So why should this matter to us? Because you think, well, I'm not Mary. I, th I think there's a couple reasons it should matter to us. The first one is this. There will be times in our lives where we cannot figure it out. You, Mary was in the exact same position many of you find yourself in today. It feels like the ground has been taken out from under you, and you think, I just I can't figure it out. I, I don't know what to do. And some of you... Um, feel in some ways akin to Mary, like you're a 15-year-old kid that's just been told that they're pregnant and they got to convince everybody that it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that is like an example of like the worst case scenario. <laughs> like not even your teenage child who is definitely going into a career of lawyering would be able to figure that one out. And I, I think Mary's song matters because there's definitely going to be times where you're misunderstood. Her song matters because, because we do get misunderstood a lot. If you're here and you've been misunderstood and you felt like you, have you ever said something and you felt like I didn't, I didn't actually have the right words to say and I, I feel like we had an impasse. This is what Mary would have felt because how could you be understood? How she couldn't understand it. And some of you are in a place where you maybe can't even understand yourself right now. And this is why Mary's song matters. Mary's song matters because of this. And, and I think the third reason it matters is because the world actually needs to know the true nature of God. And that is our job. And Mary's song teaches us how to do that. So, so how do we do it? How, how do we actually begin to worship so that our faith 
our, our fears are, are squelched by our faith? How do we actually worship this Advent season like Mary? I think there's two really simple uh, ways that we do that, this, and this song shows us this. The first thing is that Mary chose faith over fear because she remembered that it was God's power and not hers. So Advent is nothing if not a master class in trying to like do all the things ourselves, yes? Like I know probably the men won't understand. You might. Some of you might watch HGTV because you're good husbands or lovely people. Um, but ladies, can I just... Like, I feel like from December 1st to December 25th, we're all trying to be Joanna Gaines. There's only like three of you that know who Joanna Gaines is? Oh, yes. Every year I think to myself, because y'all who have those Instagram feeds that are beautiful, I have a fuzzy Instagram feed. I'm doing it on purpose. Just, no, I'm not. Um, but I, I, I look at, like, uh, all my American friends had Thanksgiving this weekend, and they were all showing their table settings. My table setting usually consists of like um, a centerpiece that I got that was supposed to stay alive for a few weeks, and it's kind of, it's a shade of brown. Just, I'm bringing fall, the fall colors into Christmas. Okay, so this, and I mean, have you ever like walked around the mall incessantly, like trying to find a meaningful gift? One year, the first year Dave and I were dating, <laughs> I bought him a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I know, I am a romantic. <laughs> and you would say that, like, that's all, yes, that is all I bought him. I wrapped it up, I gave it to, okay, so this whole idea of Advent, like, you're trying to find things for people, by the way, if you're dating someone, do not buy them a Rubik's Cube, unless you are trying to say, you are a puzzle to me, <laughs> and I cannot figure you out. But Advent is this time where we're like racing around, trying to like work everything in our own strength, trying to like work it all up so that we look, I don't even know why we do it. The Song of Mary's reminds me every time that it's not you who's going to make this Christmas special for your family or your life. It's not you anyways. And in any part of our lives, even outside of Advent, it is God that does that. And Mary did that by reminding herself how the Lord had worked. So this song is a recollection of the power and work of God in the history of the, church, of the, history of the Israelites. She remembered and recounted the promises of God in this song. And this is why we must devour the scriptures over Advent, over every season. Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing, and by hearing by the word of God. We cannot get away from this. I don't know how this happens, but I know that it is true. When you're in a position where you feel like fear is taking you over, the best thing that you can do is begin to get into the scriptures and allow the scriptures to, to grow your faith. And some of us, instead of growing our faith, we're being crippled by fear. And the way that we get over that, the way you're going to encounter God this Christmas is by letting him speak to you through the scriptures. Now, I know I was sitting in my office this week, and every time Pastor Gifty came in, I, oh, you're up there right now. I was like this. 
like she said, finally, after like the fourth day of her coming into my office like this, she was like, are you okay? Are you having a migraine? And it wasn't really, it's just when I got to this part of the message, I was like, how can I say it like fancier so that you will go away and think, yes, I'm going to read my Bible. Because it felt like what I was saying to you is, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Do you remember this song? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We all sang it. Stats tell us this, though, that most Christians don't. That in fact, if you come to church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and that's not, this is not a stat about this church, it's a stat about the church in North America, that you statistically read the Bible less than people who don't come. It's a very weird stat. But I think it's because of this. Because I think we think, oh, I got that already. That Christmas story, oh, I know that already. I don't need to read it again. But the thing about the Bible is that when you engage with it, like I'm not talking like speed reading, like you took that, I don't know, it's not Tony Robbins, but you took that course where you learned how, I'm not talking speed reading. But I'm saying when you open up the word of God and say, God, would you just speak to me through this? God will show up every single time if you'll ask him to show you something in his word. And, and I'm, some of you hate reading. And so like when pastors get to this section, you're like, ugh. I can't do this. So they get it on audio or like listen to the audio version of it. We have a million ways to read the Bible right now. But the way that we're going to engage with Jesus this Christmas, the way that Christmas is going to be meaningful is if we get in his word and allow it to transform us. It's the only thing that will transform you. It's the only thing that will transform you. We must know his word. And I, I believe in for some of you this year that the gift that God's going to give to you that when you open his word that you're going to, he's actually going to breathe on those moments with him. The second way I think Mary went from, fe from fear to faith is she remembered God's heart for justice. This is interesting because um, I, I think most people have, particularly evangelicals, have devalued the role of Mary in this song to the point that she's almost been forgotten, and uh, a little study, it was not a very good study, but a Twitter study was done, and, and they asked uh, evangelicals in particular, how, how often do you read the, the Mary's song every year? And 43% uh, said they never did over the Christmas holidays, 21% said they'd encountered it a few times, and less than 10% said that they read it every year, which I think is a shame, because it's right in the middle of this Christmas story, but I think part of it is we don't know what to do with the justice parts of this song. We actually go, oh, well, that has nothing to do with me. So, like, the reality is if we're going to move from faith, from fear to faith, we actually have to say, God, I believe you to be a God of justice, that things may not be straight or right right now, but someday they will be. Do you see the power in this that many of you that have had uh, pain for many, many years, this song breathes life and hope. It's why in impoverished nations, they never don't sing this song because this song reminds them that at some point, God's going to lift up the lowly and take people who have been in places of oppressive power and move them away. 
And maybe here you're saying today, well, like, I'm not oppressed, and I'm not poor, and I'm not hungry, and, like, things are, like, pretty awesome for me. Yeah, but the highest Christian value we have is to love. And if we can remember this morning, if we remember nothing else, that our jobs this Advent is to stand on behalf of those that have nothing. We're not meant to just come and have comfortable church. That's not the call of the gospel. It's not the story of Advent. The story of Advent says that our God, that Jesus, who came incarnate to us, is a God who came to topple things that were wrong and make them right. I don't know if we have this picture. Is there a picture up there, Gifty? No, no picture. Okay, there's no picture. But this week you can look up this. Ben Wildflower um, drew a, you can Google it, Ben Wildflower, Mary Magnificat. He drew this um, picture. And it's a picture of Mary who doesn't normally look like how Mary looks. She has her fist up in the air like this. And um, on the top of the painting, it says, cast down the mighty, send the rich away. And as you can imagine, people got kind of mad about the picture because Mary looked like kind of strong. And... Um, I think, though, this picture is a beautiful picture for many of us, that our God is not just far away from us. If we're going to move from fear to faith, many of us need to remember that God is not a God who is content to leave things in the world as they are. But one day, he will set all things straight. His heart for justice means that God has a bias towards the weak and the vulnerable. If you're weak today, if you're feeling vulnerable today, this scripture reminds us that God is standing on your side. What you need to know is that when the scriptures were written, um, historian and theologian Warren Carter says this, that uh, only 2 to 3% of the population lived in like any kind of... Uh, wealth at all. 98% of the population would have been living under the subsistence level. Okay, so they would have been super poor. So you're super poor. You're oppressed by Romans. You feel like your, life, your whole life could be taken from you at any moment. And Mary's song, you hear Mary, you read Mary's song. What does that do for you in that moment? You remember this God who sent his son, is not just interested in a one-dimensional kind of relationship with you. And by one-dimensional, I mean this. I think as Christians, we kind of get caught up in like, God is like interested in like helping my spirit. But all the rest of the stuff, that's sort of like off limits. But this song of Mary's reminds us that he's, he is interested in all of it. All of it. And maybe you're feeling not physically vulnerable in terms of finances today, but maybe you're feeling weak in other ways. God stands on your side. And in some ways, if Mary's song doesn't sound like jaw-dropping good news, probably this Advent we need a reintroduction to our own vulnerability. We probably need a reintroduction coming face-to-face -face with our own weaknesses. And when we get this idea that God's justice is for everyone, 
It changes the way we think about God. It changes the way we interact with our own problems. It changes the way we think about our own uh, vulnerabilities, because we know that now is not forever. And there's something beautiful about that. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want to ask you a few questions. First one is this. Where in your life do you need to choose faith over fear? Where do you need to think about someone like Mary and say, yeah, God, I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to worship you with song, but I'm also going to worship you in every part of my yes. Some of you need to say yes to God in your relationships. Like, God, I'm going to just trust that you're going to work that out. Some of you need to say yes to God in your friendships. Some of you need to say yes that God has you exactly where he has you now for a reason. Some of us maybe need to get this... um, real truth in our hearts that God is a God of justice. He's not going to leave the world as it is. So let's in this moment. Can we just have just a moment of just saying, God, would you help me to remember that um, you're standing right in the middle of my life? Some of you, maybe this is, uh, you've never had an opportunity to say yes to Jesus at all. But this morning you want to make a decision to say, Jesus, be part of my life. I want you in the center of my life. Listen, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Truth is, we can't do it on our own. We're unable to do it in our own strength. But with when Jesus comes, he doesn't promise us that life will be easy, but he promises that he'll walk with us, that he'll give us wisdom that we'll never have to be alone again. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you in this moment to say, Jesus, would you come into my life? He doesn't require that we do anything else. His grace is enough. His mercy is enough. Some of you, I just believe, you know, as I was just praying this way, I I think some of you, God has given you a vision to do something bigger with your life than you're doing currently. And maybe this song of Mary's reinvigorates that dream you once had. I want to bless you in Jesus' name to go forward in courage and faith, to know that your worship matters in the world, how you engage with the world matters, and that God has something good on the other side of what you're facing right now. So Jesus, I thank you for your people today. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that they would know that you stand with them and that you walk with them. Jesus, for people that are making a decision today to serve you, to make you the Lord of their life, in charge of their life, I pray now that you'd help all of us to continue to grow in the things of you. God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church. Or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.